So today I want to ask you a question as we continue our series. What is your why? Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you get dressed? Why do you go to work? Why do you go through the whole thing? Why do you do the whole thing? Why, what's your purpose? What's your cause? What gives your life meaning? What, what, what are you passionate about? What we heard Seth and Caitlin say a few minutes ago, I don't think you have to ask them what they're passionate about. They're passionate about this tribe in Ecuador in the jungle who's never heard Jesus' name once. That's, that's a lot. What is, your, what is your cause? What is your vision? If you don't know your why, you're, you're going to spend a lot of your life wasting a lot of your life chasing a dream that you'll probably never reach. And if you do catch it, you'll find it's empty. We've said for weeks now, um, this whole pandemic thing kind of reminds me of like someone picking up a snow globe, picking up the entire earth like a snow globe and shaking it. And you know what happens, all the little snowflakes fly in the air. And it feels like to me, uh, where, where's our SEC football fans? Where's our SEC Again, anybody? Anybody glad football started? Yes. It's, it's not a trap. I'm not tricking you. It's okay. I'm glad college football started, okay? But it is a sign to me that that shaking that happened and those snowflakes that are floating through the air are starting to settle. Because things are kind of starting back and things are demanding our attention and things are requiring um, our routine and our pattern and our habit and all of that stuff to try best we can to get back the way that we were. But before we get back exactly the way we were, in this series we've been asking a question, what is essential? If we're going to rebuild our life, restart our life, repattern our life, what should we include? And we said last week, there's, uh, the, in this series so far, that the grace of God is essential. We said that the Holy Spirit is essential. And today I want to say to you that God's mission is essential. It's not about fame or why. It's not about personal success. It's not about comfort. It's about Jesus and God's mission. According to the latest reports that I've heard and read, uh, we don't know if they're true because we've never been here before, but people who study these kind of things tell us that in the next one to three years, somewhere in there, they're predicting that 21% of all churches in America will close. 21%. Uh, let me put a number on that. About 80,000. Now, if that's true, if that becomes true, then what that has to mean is that there's a lot of people that used to count the mission of God as essential that are now counting it as optional. In other words, they're saying, we're going to take our time, we're going to take our money, we're going to take our energy, we're going to take our relationships, we're going to take our life, and we're going to spend it somewhere else. That's what that has to mean. I think the greatest sign of spiritual apathy in America and in the American church is the lack of engagement in God's mission, and I think COVID-19 exposed it. 
Because we kind of get this thing where we get this Christian subculture, and you can get Christians to pray, you can get us to listen to Christian music, you can get us to buy a new devotional, you can get us to buy a new book study, you can get us to download a new app that'll enhance our spiritual life, you can get us to fast. By the way, you know, we'll probably need to lose a few pounds anyway, so fasting's not the worst thing. You could get us to... um, Maybe even give, because it feels good to give. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's what the Bible says. But I want to tell you one thing that you're never going to get a cultural Christian to do. Let me give you one thing that you'll never get a consumeristic Christian. And by the way, all those things become surprisingly consumeristic. But there's one thing you'll never get a consumeristic or a cultural Christian to do. And that is engage in the mission of God. You'll never, you'll never get them to do it because when you do that, something starts to change inside your life. When you begin to engage in God's mission, when you begin to reach out to a non-believer in an effort to show them God's love, when you take a young believer into your care and say, I will walk with you, and I will help you get rooted and grounded in God's love and His Word, and I will help you grow into maturity. When you begin to take responsibility for, for hours of your own time and volunteer and serve or lead a team of people who are serving to make a difference in somebody else's life, you are engaging in God's mission. And that's not consumeristic at all. And I'm, and I'm saying this because the soul of America is hanging in the balance on one issue, one issue. It's not who's going to win the election. It's not how many seats of Congress are going to open. It's none of that. It's one thing. It's God's mission. God's mission is essential. So this morning, let me give you five reasons why God's mission is essential. Number one, because you were created for God's mission. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we'll go all the way back to the beginning. And let's look in the, opening, in the opening moments of human history what we see. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now what I want to do is kind of break that verse down, but let me show you something interesting. The very first thing that God did when he created humanity is he blessed them. We did a whole series on that this summer. But the very next thing he did, almost in the same breath, is he gave us purpose. What was the purpose? Let me just break down some of the words. He told them to be fruitful. In other words, live a productive life. Multiply. Reproduce the life of God in the world. Fill the earth with the glory of God. Subdue it. Bring order from chaos and resources. Use the resources I've given you to accomplish my purposes. See, God's mission has always been forwarded by God's people. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He told Noah, build an ark. He told Abraham, I've blessed you to be a blessing. He told Moses to lead his people into the promised land. He told King David to expand the kingdom. He sent the apostle Paul to share the gospel with the Gentiles and the apostle Peter to share the, the gospel with the Jews. And the first century believers turned the world upside down. And since the first century, the second, third, fourth, all the way till now, 
Christians have been sent by the mission of God across the ocean and to uh, uh, inland villages and to island nations and to uh, remote parts of the world and to urban centers and into living rooms. And Christians have followed the mission of God next door to their neighbor's house, across cultural lines, social lines, language barriers, in courtrooms and boardrooms and living rooms and chat rooms. Christians have taken the mission of God. Part of what God is doing in this time right now, it is an absolute privilege to be a part of what God is doing on the earth in this moment and in this place. It's a privilege. We just have to see it. We have to see it. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Are we struggling? Yes, we're struggling. But the mission of God goes on because God's love goes on if we can see it. The mission of God is essential because you were created for it. Number two, God's mission grows your relationship with Jesus. You know, when we suffer in our life, sometimes we ask questions like, I've asked this question, God, where are you? Here I am, suffering, going through this, where are you? And we ask the question as if we're the center of life. Like life's happening where we're at. I don't know where he's at. And our question reveals our theology. When the reality is Jesus is the center of life. And life is happening where he's at. It's not happening, it's not happening where we're at. And Jesus is the center, and if we're not careful, what we end up doing is we just go do our own thing, and we ask God to bless it. Right? But Jesus isn't going to bless your thing. He's going to bless his thing. And Jesus isn't going to follow you, but he absolutely invites you to follow him. And that's how, that's how it came to the first disciples when Jesus was on earth. Matthew 4, 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Do you see that? That seems like two things, doesn't it? It's not two things, it's one thing. Come follow me and I'll send you out. You know why? I done gone out. (laughs) Jesus is saying, I already been out. I've been out in the world, in the highways, in the byways, in the living rooms. I've been across the ocean. I've been out. Come follow me and you're going to go out. Or you're not following me. Or you're not going where Jesus is going. Look, if you want your relationship with Jesus to grow... I'll tell you one surefire way to do it. Why don't you start reaching out to people who aren't Christians? You're like, why? What, 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 does that, what does that do? I'll tell you what it does. It puts your faith on the line. And what you start to have to do is question a lot of things like, do I really believe this? Because I'm about to look like an idiot. I'm about to tell people I believe a God you can't see. I'm about to tell people that I've committed my whole life to a God I can't even prove exists. You know what that's called? Faith. But what happens is, is when you step across that line and you say, hey, let me invite you to church. Let me invite you to this thing. Let let me share with you what God's done in my life. Let me share with you the kind of person I used to be and the kind of person that I am now. Let's just have a conversation about Jesus where there's no judgment or criticism. We're just going to talk for a little while. 
Or, or let me just show God's love to someone in an act of kindness. When you start reaching out to other people, I'll tell you what happens. You start to lean on Jesus like you never have before. You say, oh, God, you got to come through because I'm about to look bad. You start to lean in on him and say, I remember sitting in an airplane one time beside a guy, and the Holy Spirit just nudging me to talk to him like, are you sure? Yes, and, it was, and we did that, the whole thing. But I'm going to tell you this, I was talking to Jesus before I was talking to him. And that's what it'll do. It'll create conversations with God you never had. And you know what will happen? You'll learn things about God you never knew. And he'll change your heart, and he'll show you how trustworthy he is, and he'll set divine appointments, and he'll open doors, and he'll move things around, and your faith will grow, and your relationship with God will grow, because God's mission grows your relationship with Jesus. Number three, God's mission feeds your soul. Once when Jesus was out with the disciples ministering, um, the disciples left Jesus at a well to go get lunch. They went into town to get lunch, and he's at a well. He's resting there, and a broken woman comes to the well, and Jesus ministers to her, and it changes her life forever. And the disciples come back uh, to the well, and they see Jesus talking to this woman, and they say, hey, we got lunch. And Jesus says, well, I'm not hungry. And then it confuses them. They say, what do you mean you're not hungry? You were hungry when we left. Why are you not hungry? What, what, you know, did Jesus pack in a sandwich we didn't know about? Like They were just confused. And so here's what Jesus said to them in response to all this in John 4, 32. He said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they go, that's what I thought. He's got a Pop-Tart somewhere. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's overstocking at the lunchroom. Something happened. And then in verse 34, he describes what kind of food he was eating. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So here's the question. Have you tasted the food that Jesus is talking about? Have you tasted it? Is your soul being fed on God's mission? Maybe one of the reasons we oftentimes have so many Christians running around in America saying, I'm just not being fed. I'm just not being fed. Because we're not eating the food Jesus ate. Because there was something about doing his father's mission. There was something about doing his father's will that satisfied and fed his soul. Maybe one of the reasons that some, some of us believers feel so defeated in the last six months is because we haven't been giving other people hope. We haven't been doing the mission. We've just been quarantined and trapped and you know, trying to figure it all out and living in chaos. But here's the thing about hope is the sure way to keep hope alive is to give it away. You're not just going to receive enough hope to live in hope. You're actually going to have to give it away. And when you give it away, it grows. And then you get some more. And you give it away and it grows. A few weeks ago, we were um, getting ready for our first 20s life. By the way, it's this Thursday, all the 20s, high school seniors and up, 20s, we got Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Man, we had a fantastic time last month. We were setting up and planning and working with the team, you know, how we were going to do all this new stuff. And, uh, and Zach, right there, Zach, sorry, I don't want to embarrass you, put you on the spot. But we were breaking out in teams, and Zach was going to lead one of the teams, and um, 
I sat, I was supposed to, he and I were going to both talk a little bit. And I listened to him talking. I said, Zach, like I'm done. I don't have nothing to say. What you said was so incredible. Let me tell you what he said. He talked about how his life had changed in the last several years and how Jesus had, how far Jesus had brought him and how our church family had invested in him and changed his life and become his family. And Zach, when I listen to you, man, I, I, I'm telling you, this environment we're living in makes you tired. When I left that night, I was not tired. Man, I was pumped up. I thought, yes! When I listened to Zach, I said, that's why we do what we do. There's nothing better than that. And you know what I realized in that moment? I was eating the food that Jesus was eating when he was at the well. I was eating the same food. When you do the mission, and even though my part in Zach's life has been very small, even though I had a small part, it was food to my soul because I went, yes, I want that for everybody. And I heard Zach say he wanted that for everybody. Like he wanted everybody to have the same experience he had had. Jesus' mission is essential because it feeds your soul. Number four, without God's mission, you wouldn't be a Christian. Did you know that? I guarantee you, if you're a believer, there's one day you absolutely believed God's mission was essential, and it was the day you got saved. Because you didn't get saved by yourself. Because somebody prayed for you, somebody shared with you, somebody served you, somebody invested in your life, somebody reached out to you. Somebody planted seeds in your life. Maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a pastor, a teacher, Sunday school teacher, coach, high school teacher, something. Somebody made an investment in your life, and you know how they got there? They followed the mission of God straight to your heart. And the mission of God is essential because without it, you wouldn't be a Christian today. Here's the last thought I've got for you this morning. God's mission gives you the opportunity to live a significant life. The world confines us to a small life. But God's mission empowers you to live a significant life. And the difference is all how you view, and this is what I'm saying to you today, God's mission is essential. I pray, my prayer is, last Sunday night when we gathered for prayer online, we prayed for the churches in America. Because I pray, I pray, I pray God will turn the tide, and I pray believers will wake up, and I pray 80,000 churches won't close. But it depends on how you view the mission of God. Do you, do you view the mission of God through the lens of your life? Like this is an add-on. This is an addition. This is a nice thing. If I get a few minutes, I might drop by. If I have a few extra dollars, if I have, if I have time, if it fits in. Or do you view the mission, your life through the lens of the mission of God? And you say, I want my life to count. I want to make a difference. Every decision that I make will be ran through this lens, will be ran through this filter. Does it advance the purpose of God? Does it advance his purpose in my life? I'm going to run everything through that filter. So what's your view? How do you, how do you see it this morning? I know, uh, boy, it's been a heavy week for a lot of reasons. 
One is, this week we lost one of our dear family members here at our church, Becky George. It's been a long journey, a long battle. And um, if Becky did not impact your life, it only tells me one thing, you never met her. That's all it tells me. And we're all carrying that a little bit. Those of you who knew her, we're carrying that today. But Becky, you know, sometimes I would talk to her and she'd be, you know, praying with the doctor or praying with a nurse or, you know, asking me, how's your family? And, you know, is, what can I do for you? Or can, we come, can I come cook lunch for the pastors and hang out with you guys? She was always thinking about other people. And if I'm just 100% transparent with you, there were moments in the painful treatments that she was in and all the suffering she, that I would think in my mind. I wouldn't say it. I'd think in my mind, Becky, it's okay to take a break. It's okay. It's okay to take a day off. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to just hurt today. And that might be all you can do today is hurt. It's okay. But not, not her. And you know, you might be tempted to say, yeah, but... She was in such a desperate situation that it was the way she coped with it. Well, a couple things. One is, that's a pretty good way to cope. I've seen a lot worse ways. <laughs> Number two, I don't know if it was how she coped with it or not. But let me tell you one thing I'm 100% positive about. I'm 100% positive about. Becky saw her life through the lens of the mission of God. She did not see the mission of God through her own lens. It wasn't there to serve her. She was there to serve it. And that stirs me and challenges me so much on a day like today. So I want to ask you a sort of a philosophical question. Becky never had much she prayed as much as she could and she served as much as she could and she gave as much as she could and she loved other people as much as she could. Who do you think lives a more significant life? Do you think someone, whether you knew or not, you've got a description, someone like Becky? Or do you think as we're watching like the, you know, the NBA playoffs and the NFL's cranking up and you, this all-star athlete that you see on every video game and magazine cover that's rolling in tens of millions of dollars who's living for themselves. Who do you think is living a more significant life? Well, all the commentators will tell you the all-star. But the all-star is working to become king of a kingdom that will be gone tomorrow. Becky gave her life to a kingdom that's eternal. And so from God's vantage point, that's what significance is. It's that you're storing up treasure, the Bible says, in heaven that will be there forever. Let's look back at Genesis 1.28 again and, and, and see it through a different lens. Before we said this is what God wants for us, now let's, let's look at it through this lens. What happens when we do not live, when we do not live 
as though God's mission is essential. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves. And so what happens is when we live through our own lens, we see the mission of God through our own lens, what happens is rather than being fruitful, we live a barren life. Rather than multiplying, we divide the life of God and we isolate it. Rather than filling the earth with the glory of God, we fill the earth with worldly things. We fill the earth with our own things. And rather than subduing, we bring chaos to the world rather than bringing order into the world. And our resources, watch this, rather than using the resources that God has given us for his purposes, we try to use God and we try to use people to get resources for our own purpose. Do you see? That's why it doesn't work. And that's why the world is in the condition that it's in is because we lost our purpose and when you lose your purpose you lose your focus and when you lose your focus you divide and you release chaos into the world and you break everything down so question have you lost your purpose how, how do you see it is your life the lens that you look at the mission of God through you say well Maybe when the kids get out of the house. Maybe when the kids start school. You know, whatever. Whatever the thing is. Maybe when I have more time. Maybe when things change. Maybe when lights, life lets up a little bit. You were made, designed by God to make disciples. And you won't be satisfied until you do because your designer created you for a certain thing and until you do what you're designed to do you're always going to want more you're always going to be unsatisfied you're always going to think if I can just get over that next hill then and can I tell you you'll never arrive you'll spend your whole life chasing an empty dream and the day you realize how empty it is is the day you catch it but you've already spent that amount of your life going after it. So what can we do? Well, look, the whole reason we're doing the drive-in theater, two, two things. One is, we don't really know how to do the mission of God now because everything's changed. But we know this, the mission of God goes on, and we know this, people in our community are hurting. The mental health crisis is exploding. Emotionally, people are hurting. Physically, people are hurting. Spiritually, people are hurting. Relationally, people are hurting. So we're going to provide a safe space that people can come and bring their family and be ministered to and feel the love of God. That's what we're going to do because the mission of God goes on in all times. And so invite somebody. Bring them with you. You may care less. You may hate it. You know what that matters? Nothing. doesn't matter if you like it. What matters is, is can it reach someone that you can't reach without it? That's what it matters. So 
bring somebody to them. Share this service, like this service. You know, we say that all the time. Think of someone who might need this message and reach out and send it to them. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the name of a friend or a relative or a neighbor, somebody that you can be interceding for and make that part of your regular prayer life. God, I'd call out to you today for this person. In this time, in this hour, they're suffering, they're struggling. Open, just like we prayed a few minutes ago for Seth and Galen. God, open up, drop the wall of darkness. Let the light of Jesus shine through right now. You can share your story. Tell people how you became a Christian. Tell them what a mess you were before. Just don't tell them too long, okay? You don't want it to over, overwhelm the good news, right? Just tell them what it was like. Talk about God. You'd be surprised if you just talk about God, how people would take notice. You don't have to talk weird about God. Just talk about God, you know? Man, I was, I was praying one day, or I was reading the Bible, and man, this thought came to me, and it really affected me. Maybe your next step, like we said, is being baptized in water and inviting people that you know aren't Christians to come watch you be baptized. That'd be That'd be cool. Maybe your next thing is to give so that the, like we did this morning with, with Seth and Caitlin, or to give to King Witcher so that the mission of God can keep going. I don't, know, I don't know what your next step is, but here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Take a step toward God's mission because it's essential. Like, it's essential. One more thought. And I want to ask you, if you're in the room, just to stand with me. If you're online, just open your heart during this moment. You know, maybe you're watching us online and, or you're in the room and you say, the truth is, I'm not even totally sure how, if I have a real relationship with Jesus. I'm not even sure if I, you know, where I stand with God. Things have gotten crazy. Things have gotten sideways. Maybe you say, I haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you've been, you know, sneaking a peek at church through, the, through online ministry and you hadn't been in a church building in a long time. So what? But maybe today's your day. And maybe today is the day that you say, I want to have a real relationship with Jesus. Like, I want to start fresh. I want to walk with God. I want to follow Him. I need Him. So would you just close your eyes for a minute? Even as we're teaching about the mission of God, we're doing the mission of God. <laughs> the mission of God goes on. And so if you're online today, I want to ask you, if you, if you want to pray to start a real relationship with Jesus, where you know your sins are forgiven, you know you're following Him, you know you're in relationship with Him, I want you just to put in the comment section, I, I need Jesus. That's it. And our prayer team's going to meet you there, and they're going to begin to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. If you're in the room and you say, you know what? I need that. I need Jesus. I, I, need, I need to start over. I need to start again. I need to come for the first time. But I need to know that I have a real relationship with Jesus. With every eye closed in the room, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? And I want to pray for you today. I just want to pray for you. If you're online, just put in the comment section, I need Jesus. 
If you're in the room, just lift your hand and let me see it. I'm going to pray for you, okay? We're all going to pray together. So here's what I want us to do today. Let's just pray. And if you're, if you're praying this prayer, if you're online, our prayer team's going to join you. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd fill my life today. I pray that you'd forgive me for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead on the third day so that I might be forgiven and I might walk in resurrection life. Thank you for your grace today. I want to live at peace with you. And I want to follow you in Jesus' name. And while, while, while those are continuing to pray that, I want to give you one other prayer. We're going to sing this song, More Like Jesus. And as we sing it this morning, here's what I want to ask you to pray while you're singing it. God, help me to see your mission. Open my eyes and help me to see. Would you just begin to pray that? God, open my eyes and help me to see. God, open my eyes and help me to see Jesus on mission. Open my eyes and let me see my life through your lens, not you through my lens. God, shift in my mind. Change the way I see. Change the way I feel. God, open my heart up today that I might know this part of you, that I might know the heart of God for the whole world. Come on, would you just, maybe you want to lift a hand, raise your voice. If you're at home, turn the volume up. And let's just sing this song together as a prayer as we end today.